And uh, but anyway, glad you guys are here today, and uh, so glad that you all are part of what's happening. I want to say welcome to everybody who's new to our church today. Every weekend, we are seeing more and more new people come. Just uh, last Monday, we had a starting point class, which is the class we require for partnership here at our church. We had 13 people there, uh, and 11 of them were new to our church in the last two months. And so we continue to see new people just uh, want to find something here, and there's something unique about us. And, and I really believe that, that when we started eight and a half years ago, one of the things that we wanted to do was say, let's not try to compete with anybody. We're, our, we're, our job is not to compete with other churches. Our, church, our, our job is to be just us. And to be uniquely Axis meant that we were going to be a relational place. It meant that we were going to be not maybe the biggest and the best. We weren't going to try to compete on the weekend. We were just going to be a church that was about our community. How do we love people? How do we love one another and how do we love God? How do we do that in a way that's uniquely relational to us? And when we do that, it is both beautiful and also messy, right? Because when you do that, it's not just about... Um, all the good things about relationship, but when you're truly going to build relational bridges with people, it's also about the mess a little bit. It's about getting in with people and getting to know them. And so uh, that's been our heart from the very beginning. That's always our heart. And we've been at this for a while now. And it's a great joy for me to see people as they are building relationships, not just here, but in the coffee shop or in the gym or in the community or as you're going out and you're, I, I'll run into people and I'll see people that are from our church that are building relationships with each other. And that is such a, a great joy for me to watch you do that. We are created for relationship. That's how God made us. And so all of us have probably been in those moments where you've gone through a life challenge or a difficulty or a struggle or even something great. And you've had people walk with you. Maybe it was the birth of a child. And you had people who stopped by your house and just gave you something and said, congratulations for this great gift that you have. Maybe it was an illness that you went through. Maybe you had someone that sat up with you all through the night as you were uh, losing a loved one in, in the hospital and, and they were with you. Or maybe it was just somebody who stayed with you in your home for a little while and you told them, look, we, I know, thank you for being here. Go home. Go home. You got your own just struggles and family at home. They're like, no, I am with you. I am with you. I'm so with you. I want to walk with you through this challenging time. Or maybe you went through a divorce and and while that person couldn't fix your marriage, boy, they could certainly be an encouragement to you. And they just showed up to your house. And all of you, as I mentioned these things, you know the incredible power of relationship, right? You, you can think about those moments even with, really with tears in your eyes as you look back on those moments of your life where somebody walked with you or they, they shared with you those incredibly powerful and, and, and important moments in your life. And friends, the power of relationship wasn't just experienced for us, it was experienced in the first century in the church. That's what the church was like. That's what it was intended to be. Not a place that you attend, but a group of people that you belong with, a team that you are on mission with, a family that you are part of. This is what the church was in the New Testament. It wasn't about a religious institution. It was about this vital life together. The church was all about, I am with you, I'm here for you, I'm not going to let you uh, fall. I'm gonna, if you begin to drift, we're going to encourage each other along the way. And in the early days of the church, this community people took care of each other and they helped each other and they met together in their homes and they ate meals together. Amen. And they sold some of their stuff and they gave it to other people who were in need. So that's what we want to be about. That's what our goal has always been that we would be about. 
right in the very early days of the church, right after Jesus resurrected, we find these believers together in the upper room in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2 begins with the words, and they were all together. And then the very first church began in that same chapter, and the Bible talks about how they devoted themselves to relationships and community, and they were together. And the Bible says they were together and had everything in common. And, and they met together in the temple courts and in their homes, and they ate together, and it was a together kind of place. Hebrews 10.25 was written about 2,000 years ago, um, but I want us to read it together because it still applies. Let's read it out loud. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Because when people are together, you're better. Because when you're together, you can put your arm around the shoulder of somebody who has a, a difficult time. When you're together, you can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. When you're together, you can experience an enormous amount of joy and laughter. And when you're together, you can help carry each other and, uh, and shoulder one another's burdens. Friends, from the beginning of time, God created you to be a relational person. Some of you are like, you don't know me very well. I'm an introvert. Even introverts need relationship. Everybody needs relationship. And so what I want to do is just kind of lay out for you. Here's some values that we have regarding relationships. Here's some things that I think all of us need when it comes to relationships, some reasons why we need to be in community. And the first one is this. If you are in community, you're able to follow God's commands. Now, first hour, I said, well, how many of you want to follow God's commands? And most people said, yeah. Some people were like, yeah, he's asked us to raise our hand again. So I'll just assume you want to follow God's commands in your life, all right? But in the New Testament, you can find about 50 scriptures that deal with the nature of the church. And about 21 of them are one another scriptures, okay? Words like this, Romans 12, be devoted to one another. Ephesians 4, 25, therefore let, us, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3, 13, bear with each other and forgive what other grievances you may have against one another. Romans 15, 7, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore encourage each other and build one another up just as in fact you are doing. Galatians 5.13, serve one another in love. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. I'm not going to read all 21 passages, but you get the idea. You cannot do that unless you are with one another. So you've got to be together. That's what the church is about. It's a place of relationships, a team that's together on mission, a family that supports and binds together in love. And friends, some of you guys may be saying today, well, I don't know if I have time for that. And here's what I've learned. In my life, I have time for the things that I value. Is that true? I have time for the things I value. And if I don't value it, I won't do it. And if I do value, I will do it. And so the question is, do you value relationships? Do you value following God's commands that have to do with one another? Do you follow that? And part of the vision of this church from day one has always been that we would not only have a gathering on the weekend but we would also have a solid backbone. Our backbone, our skeletal structure, if you will, as a church, is that we would have a robust community group life. That our community groups would meet in houses, in um, homes mostly, sometimes in other locations. 
and that they would meet at least twice a month and they would be encouraging one another, they would build each other up, they would learn. A lot of times they would do what we're doing on Sunday, but they would take it and break it down into applicable steps as they're encouraging and challenging one another and loving each other. But they would also, out of that group, look for ways to, to help share the love of Christ with other people, invite other people into their group. This has been our plan from day one, and it's a good thing that it was, actually. Because when we first started meeting as a church, we met in a daycare center. That's a terrible place to start a church. It's very small. And, and, uh, and I remember we used to have a stage, but it was a much smaller room. And our kids' classroom was right behind the stage. So when I would preach, they would just come tr- walking out and like right, like right there to the next classroom. And this is the way it was in the early days. And then after that, we went to the movie theater by Kings Island, and we were in that building. And, and that was also interesting. One time I was preaching, literally, and a movie trailer started coming up behind me. Talk about, talk about you don't know what to do in a moment, right? So it's, you just kind of make stuff up and wait for them to stop the trailer. And the smell of popcorn was um, intoxicating and addictive, and it was there. And, uh, but then another church bought that building, and we weren't aware of that. And so we didn't have a location for two months. And so thank goodness we have built on the backbone of small groups because October and, Dece- and through, no- through December of that, of that year, um, actually about two and a half months, we were able to meet in groups. We had six house locations, and we did a live internet broadcast every weekend, and they had a video camera. So people would come up to the video camera, hey, because you could see each other. There were breakfast competitions. We actually had people come to our church for the first time during house groups for those months. It's crazy. And then God led us here, and of course we started renting this place. But I tell you, from the very beginning, we've always said we're going to be a church that builds relationships with each other, and we're going to build it on the backbone and structure of community groups. So let me just encourage you. This message is very clear today. If you are not doing that, I want to encourage you to be in a group as we get ready to engage in the fall. In the early days of Access Church, nearly 100% of our people were in a community life. That's absolutely the case. And, and, and other friends of mine would go, how do you guys do that? At our church, we're lucky to get 50, 60%. We consider that a success. And what has happened is while we have had some ebb and flow, we've usually had a really high mark when it came to community. But I've noticed something over the last year to 18 months, and that is as our church has grown, our community life has declined a bit. And that's not okay. And I want to just tell you that if you don't have a plan for community, just use our plan. I want you to know that I'm not very good at exercising on my own. I, I mentioned that we went out of town for a while, and then we were back in, but I was, you know, we were quickly in and back out and been back in and all this. It's been an interesting summer. But because of that, I fell out of a habit of exercising, and I've been doing that for a long time, exercising. And, and one of the ways I do it is because I know the people I'm going to exercise with, and they keep me accountable. And over those six weeks, I really didn't do too much, right? And I realized when I came back, it was a Monday a week ago. And we did this workout where we had 120 thrusters. If you don't know what it is, just look it up. It's not really that fun. But it it killed my legs. So much so that the next morning I could hardly walk. I was so sore. I met with an air conditioner guy out here, and we were talking, and he was looking at the air conditioner, and he was off on his own way. There's a big step out here from going from the driveway down to the air conditioner. I'm not kidding. As he was looking at that thing, I sat there in silence for about 20 seconds just thinking, I don't think I can get down there. I really don't think my legs will do it. I mean, I was like, and every time I went down a step, my wife will tell you, it was like, oh, ow, oh, I was such a baby, but it hurts so much. And uh, finally, I'm back to being back to normal, thank goodness. But here's what I know, that if I didn't have a group of people that are around me saying, hey, we're in this together, 
Let's work out together. Let's, let's be successful at this. How many of you know I would allow my other things to take over? I'd allow my schedule to take over. I would allow busyness to take over. And it's the same way with your spiritual life. If you don't have a plan for being with other people in community, it is very easy for it to go one month and you go, ah, we'll get involved, or two months, and you'll go a whole year and you have not been involved in community life at all. And church, for you, has become a place that you attend rather than a group of people that you are in relationship with. Does this make sense to everybody? So what I'm challenging you to do is this year, do not let it go. In a couple weeks, we're going to have a community group day where you're going to be able to meet leaders and you're going to be able to see people and, and get an idea about where to get involved. And this year, I want you to take the risk. This year, I would love to see us get a whole lot closer to that 100%. It's a couple times a month where you're meeting with people in homes. And then out of that, we would love for the men of the group and the women of the group, of the community group that you're a part of, get together periodically to encourage one another and get a bit more accountable. It really is a matter of what you value, and I want to challenge you to do it. The second thing is be in community to spiritually thrive. Are you thriving or just surviving, gang? Surviving is I'm going through the motions and the activities and the routines of the Christian life, but I'm just doing that. Thriving is I'm doing it with enthusiasm and passion because I see God working in my life and in the midst of lives of other people that I love, and I'm seeing fruit in my life. Hebrews says it this way in chapter 3, Take care, brothers, lest any of you... Uh, fall, have an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we share in Christ. If indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end, listen very carefully. It is an imperative to your spiritual truth that you do what Jesus and the disciples did. If lest you think you don't need community, Jesus himself, the son of the living God, needed community. He poured himself into 12 individuals, 12 men he called disciples. Out of that group, there was the top three, Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, his core group, as you were, as it will, that he was able to really love and pour into. And in the most critical moment of his ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was about to be crucified, he asked his disciples to stay awake with him and pray. Not because he needed knowledge from them, but because he needed their support and he needed their encouragement. If you want to thrive spiritually, you have to be in community with other people. Follow the example of Christ. If you want to be faithful, you have to have other people that go arm in arm with you and say, hey, we're, going to, we're in this thing together. Let's go. If you're going to make it, if you're going to be faithful, you've got to have people that walk with you. The deceitfulness of sin is real. And I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm talking about progress and perseverance. And all of us, the scripture is very clear here, that if you are not with other people, the tendency will be to drift rather than to stay in it together. And it is very real. And all of us need reminders about how to be faithful, about how to be, how to be humble. I, 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 learned, I heard this story years ago about Don Shula, the uh, former uh, coach of the Miami Dolphins. And uh, he was thought he was well known he was well known everywhere he went somebody knew him and he talks about one time he and his wife went into a movie theater it was raining outside it says time for us to go to the movie because it's raining so much they go into the movie theater as soon as they do they go into the room there's not very many people in there they applaud him they just go crazy he's like this is awesome even in a quiet movie theater people know me this is amazing and he tells the guy in front of him he say hey it's great to meet you he said you know me and the guy goes no i have no, I don't know you. He said, I have no idea who you are. 
He said, well, why'd you guys applaud? He said, because they had just come in here and tell us, unless we get 10 people in this movie theater, we're not going to show the movie. And you guys came walking in, and we're just like, yeah, woo. We all need a moment like that, a moment of humility, don't we? I think it needs to happen about once a week. And we realize we're not really as great as we think we are, but it's in community group, really, where you both get encouraged, and sometimes you have people remind you, hey, gosh, we're, we're in this together. And uh, we're not perfect. We're just on the way. We're just trying to love God. And the Bible says exhort one another, which means, hey, you got to encourage each other. you got to lift each other up. If you're new to following Christ, what better place than to have other people around you to say, we're here to support you. But answer your questions, and maybe there are questions we don't even know and answers we don't know, but we're happy to kind of learn together. That's where you grow. This is a place where it's one to uh, a few people communication, right? I'm, I'm saying some things, downloading some things in your life. That's important. The Bible says that we are led through the foolishness of preaching is actually what it says in the Bible, that somehow this preaching event is so critical, and it is. But if you only had one meal a week, how many of you know you'd starve to death? To death? Amen? You need some other meals. You need some time to study alone, and you need some other people around you to have community with. Now, the last thing is we need to be in community so that we can radically love other people. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day, the day when Christ comes approaching. The writer of Hebrews says to stir one another up. The word he actually uses is the word spur, which is what a cowboy did to his horse to get it going. And sometimes we need to encourage each other to such an extent we're like, hey, let's go. Let's go together. I want to encourage you. I want to spur you on toward love and good deeds. I want to spur you on. Um, Appreciate John Sanchez here. Uh, If he ever works out with you, he's a former Navy SEAL. That's not really very fun, actually. And I hate to run, and he's actually really good at running. And you talk about being spurred on toward something. Just let John run behind you and say, hey, come on, you could do it. Make it. Come on. Come on, you wimp. I'm just kidding. No, you didn't really do that. But that's spurring on toward love and good deeds. It's spurring you on. I want to keep you going. I want to encourage you along the way. And one of the ways we need to be encouraged is so that we would love other people. So that we would share the message of Christ and love to other people. And I can tell you this, I, I, it's hard for me to do that on my own sometimes. But when I'm with other people and we serve in community and we love the teachers at Lebanon High School or we serve the disenfranchised or those who are disadvantaged in some way, it's easier to do when we're a group together and say, hey, we're in this together. Let's go serve people who need something. So guys, the challenge is very clear today. This is the last message in our Got Questions series. We've dealt with a lot of big questions. This question, though, why is community so important? Because it was a fundamental value to the Lord that we all love. And it was a critical part of who we are and who He created us to be. So I'm just asking you this year, take the risk. Some of you need to take the risk to be leaders this year. You need to let me know. Say, hey, we believe that God is leading us to lead a community group. We're willing to make a commitment for a year to lead a group of people and to have them in our home or another host home. And by the way, I know it's challenging because we lead a community group in our home. And I know Sunday comes. And when Sunday comes, you know, we have lunch with my family. And guess what? We know that in a few hours people are coming to our house. So guess what we do? We clean the house. Lisa's cracking the whip, man. Come on, everybody. We got to clean the house. You know what I would rather be doing? I'm like, look, they got dirty dishes at their house, too. 
Just let them come here. They can look at our dirty dishes for a couple hours. What's the big deal? I would rather sit on the couch and watch the Bengals lose a game than get ready for community group in my house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But we do it. And we clean up. And then people show up. And as they start showing up, they come in. And, and we are blessed by them being there. And then when they leave, we're blessed by them leaving. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're not really. We're not really. That was just funny. That was just me being stupid. But anyway, um, no, but when, when they leave, <laughs> when they leave, every time, every time they leave, without exception, as much as sometimes before they come, you go, oh, man, really? We really? But when they leave, you go, wow, I, I really feel like we were blessed by being together. There was a benefit in us being together, studying the word. There's something that I learned tonight that I would not have known. There's something I learned about a person that I would not have understood. There's something about a relationship that I needed to build. There was something about myself that I needed to see. That every time that we get together, God does something that I did not expect. And it is far better than what I would have planned on my own. And what I'm telling you is, I know we're all human. And we all have this tendency to withdraw. I am challenging you this year to take the risk. Some of you need to take the risk to lead. Some of you need to take the risk. All of us need to take the risk to get out of our comfort zone and to say, yes, I want to be in community with other people. Maybe you don't do it because you go, hey, in the past I did it, but uh, the group I was with, they were a bunch of weirdos. And I understand that. So if you didn't like them, go to a different group. And, and they might be a bunch of weirdos too, but it's cool. It's all right. And there, you might realize maybe they're not the weirdos. Maybe you are. Maybe that's what you'll realize. But you know what? You get in there and you realize, hey, we're all in this thing together, and it's okay. And some of you go, well, I didn't really like it because, um, you know, it, it just, I, I didn't feel like I was connecting. That's okay. We'll try a different group this year. Some of you say, well, I don't know because I'm not sure if I want to be open. Listen, group session is not a counseling session. It's not you just weeping every weekend, all right? But there might come an occasion we're in the midst of those relationships, you feel like, hey, I, I need to be honest about something. And, and, and I know, maybe you feel like, well, I'm unworthy to go into a group at all. I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, I feel like maybe they know much more than I do. Psychologist Henry Cloud tells about a time when he led a group of individuals in a time of um, kind of processing through some things that each of them were going through. And one man was so... Um, ashamed by some of the things in his life. He said, I don't want to be a part of the group, but eventually was convinced to do this. Now, in this case, it was a bit more of a, a professional setting. But he sat down, the man named Joe, he did, and he began to share some things in his life. In fact, the night before, he had been involved in his addictive behavior um, just the night before as he sat down with this group. And so he began to slowly and painfully tell others about his own sense of challenge and failure and shame and and even talked about years of guilt. He could barely choke out the words as he told his story. And the leader of the group, Henry, said, Joe, why don't you look up? Because Henry, uh, Joe kept looking down at the ground. Henry said, Joe, why don't you look up? Henry said, I can't look at anybody. I'm too ashamed. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I cannot look at anybody. And Henry said, Joe, look at the group. And so Joe looked up. He said, Henry said, I want you to look around at the eyes of the people listening to you. You've got to do this. So Joe looked up fearfully, and this broken man raised his head, and he looked around the circle, and every pair of eyes that was looking back at him was filled with tears. Every heart was aching for his pain and his anguish. There was no judgment, no condemnation, just compassion. And for the first time in his life, Joe was not alone. 
And what I want to tell you guys is this. That sometimes people go, I don't want to be in part of a group because I, I, I'm afraid that I'm unworthy to be in that group. What I want to tell you is we have tried to set a value in our church from day one, and that value is a value of grace, not a value of judgment. That no matter what you've gone through, no matter what challenges you have, no matter what you're facing, that when you are with other people, you will realize that they are not that different than you are. And that you will find love and support and encouragement. And this truly is a place where it is okay to not be okay. And I want to encourage everybody this year as we come in the next few weeks and you hear more about groups, every single one of you to say, this is a risk that I'm willing to take and I'm willing to try and I'm going to give it my best effort this year to get involved. And when you do, uh, you'll be surprised at the results, I think. I want to pray for you to that end. God, I just ask today that everybody here would see the value of doing exactly what they did in the New Testament. The church was not a place. It was a people. It was a, it was a people to belong with. It was not just an event. And God, we, we value what happens on the weekend because they valued it. They valued preaching. They valued worship in the New Testament. But God, they also valued this idea of we are locking arm in arm. Jesus has called us to a mission. We're to love the world. We're to love each other. Now let's go do it. Help us, God, feel the same compulsion that they did to be devoted to one another in brotherly love so that the world might believe that you have sent us. God, we love you. We thank you. And now we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.